Welcome to Vet Talk with Royal Canin, where we will address an array of topics relevant to veterinarians and veterinary clinics. I'm Brenda Andreessen, Chief Strategy Officer at Stevens & Associates, and your host for this conversation. I'm happy to partner with Royal Canin to share knowledge and perhaps a few useful tips to help each of you in your practice. In the veterinary profession, mentorship is often characterized by a recent graduate or a newly practicing veterinarian seeking out the advice of a veterinarian with more experience to help them become comfortable and confident in their clinical setting. Connecting with a mentor on any level is beneficial, but the impact of a great mentor can span an entire career and even an entire lifetime. With me today to discuss the value and benefit of mentorship are Dr. Jimmy Barr and Dr. Brent Mayab. Welcome. Um, Dr. Mayab, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on today. Uh, my name is Brent Mayab and I'm a veterinarian. I have been um, the chief medical officer for Royal Canin for almost a year now, but I've actually worked with Royal Canin for about 16 years in different roles. And before that, I was in general veterinary practice, small animal practice uh, in a clinic outside of St. Louis, Missouri. Dr. Barr, help us get to know you a little bit. Of course. Well, I, uh, I'm originally from Louisiana. Uh, I went to LSU for both undergrad and vet school, go Tigers. Um, I, uh, after vet school, I, I, well, I mean, during vet school, I wanted to be James Harriet. I wanted to do everything. Uh, but after uh, my first job out of vet school, I went into general practice and was um, a small animal exclusive practice in Houston, um, worked there for a few years and discovered that the part of veterinary medicine I liked the most was uh, emergency and critical care. So dealing with the really sick ones. And so I went and did a residency uh, after that at Angel Animal Medical Center in Boston. Um, and then my first job out of residency was at Florida Veterinary Specialist, which eventually became uh, Blue Pearl Veterinary Partners. And um, uh, at, at FVS, we uh, trained residents and, uh, you know, it was a busy multi-specialty practice uh, that was there. Um, uh, after a, a few years in, at Florida Vet Specialist, I went away and felt the call to teach and so went and taught at Texas A&M. I was on faculty there for about uh, almost eight years um, and then came back to Blue Pearl as a, a regional uh, person and then uh, was promoted to chief medical officer about two and a half years ago. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an emergency and critical care specialist but and am chief medical officer of Blue Pearl now. This is going to be a great conversation. I know, um, Dr. Mayab, this is a topic that is near and dear to your heart. So we'll start with you. When did your passion for mentorship within the veterinary industry begin? And did you have a mentor who really helped shape your future within the industry? Well, it actually began a little bit later in my career as far as my interest in you know being a mentor. I had mentors as I was coming up, but sort of when it made that switch on me to become the mentor was probably about 10 years ago. And at that time, I was working in learning and development for Royal Canaan. And our job was to help prepare um, new people coming into the business to be able to talk about nutrition with veterinarians. But what I found is that they would come to me and ask me questions about other things outside of kind of, you know, what I might be, might consider myself sort of the, the subject matter person in. And as it turns out, they weren't asking questions to become just proficient. They were far beyond that. They were asking questions, uh, you know, so they could be the best that they could. And that, that sort of, it had a spark with me and, and talking to them about these other topics that I could help them with, because I, I wouldn't have thought of myself, you know, as, as someone to, as a go-to person for some of these things. But 
what I didn't recognize and what I think, you know, is, is maybe a message I would have for people on being a mentor is you don't have to be an expert. I had worked for Royal Canaan for five years. They had worked for Royal Canaan for a couple of weeks. So I had a lot that I could offer them. I just I didn't think about it before that. So, so that's where it got started. But my, uh, the mentor I'd like to, like to share with you about, this was actually also from when I, I first started at Royal Canaan. My mentor was actually an attorney named Jeffrey Fine, and he was, um, he was the company's attorney. And when I came into Royal Canaan, I worked in customer care. And so a lot of my time was spent giving nutritional recommendations to vets and, and vet techs for their patients, but it was also helping resolve customer issues. And so when a customer would call in and they were upset about something, um, you know, Jeff would, would help me kind of walk through the situation and how to work the situation out in a way that was mutually beneficial for both parties. And that's really one of the key things that I learned from him. Some days, you know, people would be really upset and he'd have to talk me off the ledge. But he, he would always say, you know, we can find a, uh, a resolution that's going to work for both of us. Um, you know, it's really, it's really important to remember that we're, number one, they're not mad at you personally, but number two, we're starting from a commonality, which is we want the best for their pet. They want the best for their pet and Royal Canaan wants the best for their pet. And because we're starting there, I know we can get to a resolution. And so, so Jeff's mentorship was, was really valuable because you can kind of see that that can be applied to almost any aspect of your job is, you know, you can, you can always find common ground to start with with some people. It's harder than others to be fair, but you can always find common ground. And that has always stuck with me and, and really, you know, help me in my career. Uh, how wonderful too, that you have really just widened the playing field for potential mentors for anybody listening to this podcast. You don't have to be within the veterinary profession as a veterinarian or in, in clinical medicine in any way to still be a worthy candidate for mentorship. So that was a really terrific piece of advice right there, Dr. Mayeb. So Dr. Barr, how about you? How about your passion for mentorship? And, um, you know, was there a mentor who helped shape you? Of course. I mean, I, I, I could list a, a, a handful of them because there's just there's just so many people that have helped shape uh, helped me along in my career. But um, I think my passion for mentorship probably started in earnest whenever I started training residents. Uh, that that to me was the, the, the part that really started sparking my desire to sort of to teach and a mentor. And so that's that's um, longer ago than I'd like to admit, but um, but but it started um, um, pretty soon after after I finished my residency, after I came out of, out of my residency. Um, I was very fortunate to have one two sort of mentors that stick out in my mind. One was a was an informal mentor. He was uh, the sort of the senior doctor at and when I I kind of had a circuitous route to get to the point of uh, where I am in my career. When I first came out of vet school, I went into general practice. So I was a general practitioner for a few years. And um, the, the the senior doctor was there, Dr. L.D. Eckerman. I hope he listens to this so he can kind of understand, you know, even this many years later, how much I appreciate his mentorship. But he was, you know, not an identified formal mentor. He just kind of helped me through, kind of took me under his wing and taught me some of those intricacies of being a veterinarian and kind of working through not just the sort of the clinical aspect of stuff. So he absolutely helped me um, in trying to figure out more difficult cases, but it was more about the relationship part, you know, how to um, work with your technicians, how to relate to clients, how to sort of uh, give um, difficult news 
in a kind and caring way, uh, how to um, talk about money, <laughs> talk about finances, you know, with clients and kind of being able to be okay with balancing your own value, but also, you know, what, um, what that, what your value means to them was really, really helpful. Um, I, you know, I actually spoke about Dr. Eckerman to um, a, a colleague of mine that I had uh, visited with uh, earlier in the week, just about kind of some of the, the wisdom that he sort of gave me. I also do an incredible impression of Dr. Eckerman if anybody ever wants to hear it. So that's, that's, that's another aside. The second mentor I kind of want to um, want to you know, sort of highlight is my formal mentor, so my residency uh, was Dr. Sharon Drellick. And she, you know, of course, you know, we were focused a lot on the learning, you know, the, the, the you know, just sort of uh, the intricacies of emergency and critical care and, and how you know, detail oriented you have to be and sort of asking the next questions and placing things in the larger context. But she also taught me about systems about working together, uh, having a system that works together. So not only are you focused on the patient, you're focused on all the patients and you're focused on how to sort of make all that work together uh, and was incredible. So, you know, Sharon was, uh, was an incredible mentor and, and friend um, and we lost her too soon, but she's, she's uh, what may have had a profound impact on me as well. I mean, such great insight that you both have shared and perspectives carried with you, you know, throughout your career so far. So it's probably going to be really hard to answer this question, but is there one piece of advice that you would consider most valuable um, that you've carried forward from your days of you know, early in practice? So Dr. Barr? Gosh, I, I think, I think it, it had to be sort of the delivery of difficult messages with kindness. Um, you know, and, and that's not, uh, it, it was sort of applicable to, clients when you're delivering bad news to them, you know, or tough news to them or things that they didn't necessarily want to hear. But it also like goes over into, um, you know, when, when you're talking with your colleagues and, and having a conversation about get, delivering feedback and delivering um, that in a, in, in a civil and collaborative and collegial way, um, to me, I think that was a really beneficial thing for me long term, um, just because it was so, I mean, it's so applicable across many different disciplines, and not just in medicine, but also in your normal life and relationships uh, was extraordinarily helpful for me. Well, that's a terrific one. Dr. Mayup, how about you? Yeah, I mean, for me, this is, this is something that's interesting because it did come from a veterinarian, but it wasn't veterinary advice. And so a mentor I had, uh, an associate in the practice that I ended up working in, his name was Dr. John Rowe, when I was actually an extern, so still a vet student, just kind of test driving that practice to see if it's where I wanted to work. One night after work, he asked if I mind if I stay a little bit late to, to talk about something. And I said, sure, no problem. And he said he wanted to talk about, you know, personal finances. And he wasn't being nosy. He wasn't trying to get into my finances, but he said, you know, listen, I have some some advice to give you that I think will really sort of, you know, change your situation for the future. And, and he said, basically, you know, you need to take steps now while you're young uh, financially that are really going to set you up for later. And, and these aren't super complicated. And he sort of laid them out, you know, like establish an emergency fund um, to pay off consumer debt, to start paying down your student loan debt faster than, you know, what the payments would require, you know, and then, and then start to save for retirement. And he said, if you do this, 
this is going to give you some freedom for later on. And, and so, you know, just, just get started. And then, and then he pulled out this little piece of paper he printed out and it looked like an actuarial table. And it basically said, you know, it was, it was actually a Roth IRA chart. And it said, if you save 2000 a year, which was the upper limit on the Roth at the time, and that's really dating myself. But um, if you save 2000 a year and you do this until you retire and you make a very modest, you know, like six to 7% on this, you'll have over a million dollars. And, you know, imagine this, you know, I'm a, I'm a vet student. I'm not even out of vet school yet. And there's a guy telling me there's a way for me to make a million dollars. And, and I was like, yes, this is, I, I'm so interested. Tell me more. But the point wasn't about, you know, uh, a dollar amount or, or being wealthy. Even if you get out from under debt, you're going to have a lot of freedom and you're going to be able to make some choices and take some risks. And he was right because five years after that, I took the risk of leaving private practice to go work at Royal Canaan. And I could do that because I wasn't under some of the, the crushing debt. And, and, you know, this is, I think, a real important topic to be talking about right now, because we talk to a lot of young veterinarians who feel completely trapped and smothered by, by their debt. And I was just really fortunate to get that advice from him, you know, so early in my career, and it's made a big impact on me. That's, I mean, so profound, right? And so, and more valuable today, probably than ever before, to think about that perspective as well. So we both have talked a lot about the, the, um, all the wisdom that you have gained along the way, but surely you've made some mistakes here and there. So would you share with the audience what you feel is one of the most memorable mistakes you've made as a young veterinarian or a young person in, in the veterinary profession? And how do you think maybe a mentor could have helped you to avoid that or, or temper that? So I think a big mistake, it wasn't any single mistake, it was a series of mistakes. And that was confusing academic knowledge with the actual ability to practice medicine as a vet. And so like, when you think about it, for a lot of vets, you know, right after you finish school, you're at your peak of, of quote unquote knowledge, but you're actually at your trough of, actually, of being able to be a veterinarian. And I, I didn't discern the difference between those two at first. I thought, well, I know the answers to most of the questions. This is going to be easy. And so, you know, medicine is as much of an art as it is a science. And I was very unskilled in the art of medicine, but I thought the science would, you know, carry me 90% of the way through. And I had a lot of experience as a young vet where that was absolutely not the case. And, and one of the hardest lessons I had to learn was even when you do treat certain cases appropriately and you do everything, you know, as it should be done, they can still go bad. And gosh, that was really, really hard for me because it was like, that's not supposed to work this way. You know, um, two plus two always equals four. Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't, it was, it was really hard to get, get my arms around. And luckily I did have, you know, a, a couple of people in the practice around me who really did help me get through that at first. And, and was, and they were there to kind of pick me up and say, you know, um, when I did it completely wrong, which was, not uncommon. They would say, here's what you might consider in, in the future. And, and when I did do it right, but it didn't go well, they'd say, listen, hey, you did what you were supposed to do. Sometimes things just just don't, don't work out. And I know that in a lot of um, vet schools now, they have systems in place to actually teach this more to students before they kind of get out into practice. But, you know, um, I, I didn't have any exposure to that. And so boy, it was just a steep learning curve. I can understand how painful that could potentially be, you know, Dr. Barr, something you would uh, be willing to share with us? It's actually very similar to to what Dr. Mayab was saying. I, I, I had a sort of mistaken approach. Um, I, I, you know, 
Uh, I think young veterinarians oftentimes think they need to know exactly what's happening in an exam room when they're talking to clients. Um, and I think, you know, that expectation of themselves, uh, it, it, that's impossible to uphold. You will never know the reason of why everything is happening exactly sort of at the beginning of the conversation. And so what I would do is I would, would feel very bad about myself because I didn't have a mastery of that situation, but you didn't need to have a mastery. What you needed to do was the approach to be able to find the solution and to walk clients through that and walk and help them sort of have that, you know, to follow your thought process and say, well, I don't know exactly what's happening. It could be these things. This is the way I'm going to find it. And this is what's going to cost. And this is what to expect. And like having, making that timeline and roadmap for clients is very, uh, very good because people don't expect you to know all the answers all the time. And once I became okay with not knowing uh, exactly what was going on and not know and, and being okay with not having the answers, in a particular situation, uh, veterinary medicine became a lot more comfortable. And I, I think it's at that point that I, I started allowing my experience and knowledge to be able to work together so that I could uh, do the best thing for the pet and the client at the same time, you know, rather than sort of overthinking a situation or, or being not confident enough or overconfident. Um, all of those things sort of working together actually centered around that understanding. And so, um, uh, I, 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 I did a lot of um, floundering in, in exam rooms uh, before before I learned that. A really good perspective from your younger selves. Let's fast forward now to yourselves as more seasoned veterinary professionals and talk a little bit about the kind of advice you would have for people like yourselves and how they can help mentor that next generation of veterinary professionals. What have you learned along the way that you'd like to share out? I mean, I, I think, you know, similar to what, you know, what we were talking, you know, talking about earlier, don't, don't be afraid um, to share that you don't know the answers all the time. I think that that's good. I mean, the second is just being available and being willing to do it. Um, you know, you may not realize that, you know, the impact that you have on others in your daily life. I, I, I think of, uh, of you know, when I think of practicing veterinarians and, and how things work, I, I the culture is always clinician driven. The culture is always going to be the doctor is going to be the person that is um, central to the function of the hospital. And, you know, you're in a leadership position, whether or not you have that by title, you're in a leadership position and people look up to you and people will, will understand that as you sort of go along in years, there will be times in which, um, you know, it may be just as, as simple as, you know, how to do the medical records correctly or, you know, helping someone with something simple, but, but being willing and able to actually engage in conversations with, with younger folks means a lot more than you can actually understand at that moment. You know, it, it takes a long time for you to sort of, you know, go in the arc in your career for you to be able to kind of see the impact of that. I know that it's impactful, was impactful for me extraordinarily. And so, so from that perspective, you, as long as you're available to do it, um, be willing to sort of share your experiences and where you may have messed up um, in the past and how you got past that would, is, is extraordinarily helpful. Yeah, I completely agree with, with Dr. Barr. I mean, listening is so central to it all. And, you know, listening in my view is, is how you kind of 
you get to where their needs are because I think you have to meet them at their needs. It's not necessarily approach them in a way that you think you'd want to be approached yourself and, and, and instead approach them in the way they want to be approached. You know, do they just need a sounding board, you know, just to kind of bounce uh, things off of, or, or do they need kind of more hands-on coaching in terms of, you know, like literally show me how to do this procedure, you know, whatever the case it is, you know, listen to them and put yourself in their shoes. You know, it's not, it's not super helpful to, to go back and say, well, when I was in their situation, I, I wanted this or I got this. I mean, you know, that, that's not, that's really not the best way to approach mentorship. It's really to kind of come at it from, from where they need. And then as, you know, the person being mentored, I think you have the right to expect from them for them to sort of outline that for you, you know, not to make you guess what that is. In other words, you know, to have very kind of direct conversations about, you know, what's the best way for you to help. But, but yeah, just kind of bringing that all back to focus on the one word of listen. Really, really profound. I think the way we're talking about impact, right? And all these years later, the impact that your mentors have had on you and the impact you are feeling that you can have on others. If you had one wish relative to your involvement with being able to mentor future veterinary professionals, how would you how would you describe that wish to us here? Well, yeah, I, I guess I, I mean I can go with that one. I I think it would be. Um, that, that, that folks would be willing and be accepting of feedback and that to always be constructive and assuming positive intent. You know, from a, from a perspective of, you know, just looking at it from the, the, the idea of, of a mentor, um, you know, feedback is central to being a mentor. <laughs> and feedback to look in a, a bunch of different ways. Um, how we receive that feedback is, is probably um, the most difficult thing for people to do, especially earlier in their career, is to kind of understand, um, you know, that every, every every situation is an opportunity to learn about something. Um, and the response to that and what you get back from your colleagues and mentors, that feedback is, is, is only meant to help you. And so I think that it's, you know, if I could wave a magic wand, it would be around the, the accepting and delivering of feedback with people. I love that every every situation is an opportunity to learn about something. That's that's fantastic. You know, something I would think about for um, newer veterinarians is that a good mentor doesn't actually have to be a veterinarian. Um, there is a group of people, the unsung heroes of animal health, the veterinary technicians, and they can be awesome mentors, especially for for newer veterinarians because they've got they've got practical skills, they know how to handle clients. Um, they have this supernatural ability to avoid getting bitter scratched. And, you know, they, they just know how the real work happens in all practices. And sometimes as, as vet students come out, they don't, they don't think of these guys as potential mentors, but they can teach them so much. And I just, I say this from experience, I learned a lot from the veterinary technicians I worked with in my first job. And they really, they kind of helped me avoid a lot of problems and they helped me handle a lot of problems, you know, in terms of, you know, working with um, different client situations, but also, you know, as I sort of built up my abilities to, to, to do certain practical skills. And I just, I can't say enough about how veterinary technicians can really be great mentors for, for newer vets. That's a really perfectly profound kind of thought, I think, to leave the audience with as we close this podcast. And thank you, Dr. Barr and Dr. Maya for sharing 
not only your experience, but you know, your insight and perspective with us, with us here today. This has been really terrific information that um, a wide variety of people listening to this podcast should be able to benefit from. And we can't thank you enough for your time. Thank you both. So pleased to do it. Thanks for inviting me.